Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me enormous pleasure to be able to introduce our guest this evening, the internationally acclaimed poet, Mihal O'Shiel, and to be able to welcome all of you here to Highgate School for this special event. Mihal O'Shiel's 16 collections of poetry have been greatly celebrated. Mihal was awarded an Irish American Cultural Institute Prize for Poetry in 1982 and the Martin Tunder Prize for Literature in 1998. The Five Quintets received the Conference on Christianity and Literature's 2019 Book of the Year Award. Mihal's Five Quintets Uh, from which he'll be reading this evening, has been hailed as a masterpiece, winning praise from a wide-ranging audience, including a former President of Ireland, a Nobel Peace Prize laureate, the Archbishop of Canterbury, poets, composers, playwrights, and leading academics, including scientists, theologians, economists, and philosophers. And this year, a small group of staff and students here at Highgate has been... Uh, studying Mihal's Five Quintets, and it has been the most incredible education in the whole of modern intellectual history. What's particularly struck our reading group is the sheer joy and energy of the quintets, and how it invites its readers into a world that luxuriates in the interconnectedness of all the academic disciplines in the search for meaning, identity, and purpose. Mihal has given our reading group a genuinely invigorating reminder that poetry can serve the public good by opening up our imaginations to ever-deepening patterns of mutual implication across disciplines, societies, cultures, and even historical ages. And once alive to those patterns, readers start to become more thoughtful, compassionate, truth-loving global citizens with a shared commitment to the common good. In other words, Mihal reminds us, as educators, that poetry has an indispensable role to play in the formation and flourishing of our children and communities. Mary McAleese, the former president of Ireland, made this point beautifully when she commented of the five quintets that Mihal's writing is a swirling work of love for humanity that will take you from the paralysis of our visionless future to a place where every bowl and limb begins to dance the universe's light, fantastic prayer. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, would you please join me in welcoming Mihal O'Shea. Good evening. Uh, Thank you so much for your kind words, Robbie, and thank you all for being here. Be with me, Madam Jazz, I urge you now. Riff in me so I can conjure how you breathe in us more than we dare allow. In words and hues and tones, please, madam, blow, play in me the grace I need to know how in your complex glory we let go. Show how an open hand is worry-free. Spark again your love's economy. Your generous first words spoken, let there be. Enhance our trust in hard-earned betterment, humbler world we may in turn augment in long adagios of increment. While marvelling at your choreography, stars and quarks beyond our mastery, we still explore to praise your mystery. Although each sacred book's a lip-read score, improvising, there is always more. You jazz on what's your own and our rapport. Each solo and ensemble of a piece grooves and tempos shifting without cease. We flourish in a syncopated piece. In all our imperfections we advance, trusting in creation's free-willed chance. Sweet Madam Jazz, in you 
We are the dance. The Five Quintets is a meditation on modernity on the last 400 years or so. Dante summed up the Middle Ages on the cusp of modernity. So the Five Quintets is an attempt to review in some way or other in imagined conversations with the shakers and movers of all the disciplines throughout those 400 years. It's an attempt to, um, to review this period on the cusp of the first ever global century. It's more than simply a summing up, I hope, but also a chance to look where we've come from and where we're headed. Dante, as you know, has a three-part structure, whereas the five quintets has a, a five-part structure. There are five quintets, one on the arts, one in economics, one on politics, one on science, and the final one on theology stroke, or philosophy stroke theology. In each of these, that, I'm thinking when I explain it that way, the five quintets, I'm, I'm working if you like, so horizontally, but also there are five divisions to each of these. If you think vertically, there are five cantos. And the first of these features transitional figures, uh, people who mark the shift from the Middle Ages to modernity. Then this, in the second canto, there, there, there's a movement, there's a move towards a stricter rigidity towards a fixity on one in, in one side, and then the other side, and other disciplines, there's a move towards greater freedom and liberty. In the third canto, we come to an excess, an excess of either freedom or an excess of control. In the fourth, there are those for whom modernity is already showing that it seems not to be, um, not to be cutting it anymore. It seems to have gone astray, to have lost its way, and they have a vision for it, even if that vision falls short. And in the final one of these uh, quintets, there are those who, across this 400 years, seem, although they're part of their own time and place, seem to transcend in some way or other uh, and to offer us hints towards where we might be headed, what the vision could be for us now. Each quintet has a different form to give these to give, to give a sort of unity to each of these vertical disciplines, so to speak. And the arts one is done in sonnets interspersed with haikus. I like to call these saikus. And I'd be glad to tell you that saiku in Japanese means a piece of fine workmanship. Now, I won't actually read when I do, I won't read the haikus with this for the sake of brevity, but, but the, the, they are the classical forms, of course, from the East and West inter interspersed. The science one is done, done in iambic pentameter, and the philosophy stroke theology is in terza rima, which of course is the form which is used by Dante, and it's a nod towards Dante. Uh, it's a wonderful form. It's a, it has a sort of chain effect, which you know. But I point out to you that it's much easier in Italian than it is in English, uh, for the reason that all, all uh, um, words in Italian end in vowels, so it's somewhat easier. <coughs> Uh, and then the economics and politics are forms which I've invented for them. So it's a mixture of the traditional and that mixed with innovation. Uh, I hope that this gives unity to each of the quintets. Now, as all of this work is in poetry, I'm going to concentrate on the arts. But I will give you a taste of the corresponding canto in the other quintets as we move along. So we begin with the transitional figures in the arts. And the, those who I've chosen to represent that phase in modernity are Cervantes, who of course was mocking knighthood, but mocking knighthood and medieval times with a slight nostalgia. Then there's John Donne, who sometimes had, the, had this, the earth go round the sun, and sometimes the sun go round the earth, depending whether he was making love or not. <laughs> uh, and Rubens then, of course, is... Um, the great painter who represents the rise of the bourgeoisie, which was a huge feature, of course, of modernity. And then John Milton, who is the great poet of the Reformation, again, which is one of the seminal events of, the, of modernity. And finally, Handel, the uh, composer, because 
Handel was the one who brought music out of the church into what was to develop into the concert hall. So it's not hard to imagine, of course, in the other um, quintets, in the other disciplines, it's not hard to imagine who the transitional figures might be. Think of in economics, for example, obviously Adam Smith is the first one that will jump to mind. If we think of science, Copernicus, of course, is, is the great figure we would think of. Or if we are in philosophy and theology, Martin Luther, who was to um, set the Reformation uh, set, the, uh, set, set the Reformation going. So now to represent these figures, I've just chosen to read first from, from John Donne. Now how I do this is, the, there are four, I'm not going to read the haikus, but there's four sonnets, and um, it's a conversation. So I address the artist first, and then the artist replies, responds, and uh, then I again come back and speak to the artist, and then that figure has the last word in the fourth sonnet. Are you that wanton Jack or Dr. Don, or both? Becoming every part you play, a lover chiding the unruly son, or preacher warning all who disobey? Are you the Catholic boy, your mother's son, whose people still would rather die than stray? Are Protestants believing all are one, that all may hear, Lord, hear us when we pray. The new philosopher whose son must stay and bid the passive earth about its run, or wooer whose son's motions trace a day to thwart love-makings only just begun. In showy puns, in each fantailed conceit, your actors roll and you conspire to meet. Why can't you fathom all my reasons why? My tortured brother gave his chaplain's name, then died in jail of fever and of shame. A strutting youth, I didn't want to die. Why can't you see the whys that underlie? Why Jack and Dr. Dunn are both the same? I underwent travail and overcame my youthful self, my overweening eye. So what if now the sun commands the sky? Philosophy can claim and counterclaim. To ask God's mercy is the preacher's aim. Hear us, weak echoes, O thou, and cry. My words take up each mood and moment's cue. No player has our playwright's overview. Although your thoughts take words, and words take wings. There's still some self-absorption in your tone, as brooding on your life's imaginings, an inward mind makes every world its own. A time so full of anger and hankerings, of reason not content with what's unknown, your God becomes the workman of all things. You too have stepped beyond the hallowed zone. Whilst our physicians by their lore are grown, and we don't hang from old wife's apron strings, that self-same faith in reason will dethrone a god who thrusts in sacred righted kings. Enchanted worlds begin to disappear once you have walked outside the sacred sphere. No Shakespeare hiding in a bigger cast. I struck the stage of my dramatic mind. You too were once a young iconoclast, determined, self-assured, and flying blind. A later self, our youth's own counterblast. Again, like me, you leave act one behind. And in one woman's love, we write a past that childhood's flaws and hurts had undermined. My poems are moods I wanted to outlast myself and catch the thrill of thought refined. For all our likeness, so much to contrast. I bless your Dantean sweep of humankind.
sweet person God is battering you to see what was and is now shaping what's to be. The second figure from this transitional phase in the arts I want to read for you is Rubens. I'm fascinated, absolutely fascinated by the connection between the life and the role in history. And it seems to me that there's something very special in Rubens because he was haunted by a scandal his father had been involved in. A painter envoy extraordinaire, you Rubens craved the black hole of success. A driven man, the top and nothing less. A Michelangelo? But why stop there? A global citizen and armed affair, your endless energy still can't redress a father's shameful fall that you suppress in brushes hewed and stroked with manic care. The best and greatest, yet so self-aware, compere of prelates and of all noblesse, you're banking on a new assertiveness that Europe's bourgeoisie are soon to dare. You feed them all of hungry self-esteem and chase a shadowed fame from dream to dream. I keep a deep and sensuous self in check. An Antwerp burger never second best. I zig and zag, yet don't stick out my neck, but work to lay my father's ghost to rest. Whatever drives me, I will never tire. A business sense still wants me to be free, to pick and choose the work that I desire, portraying clients who can pay my fee. But under church and monarchies I knew an artisan would have to tack and trim, but wealth, wealth achieves what gills can never do and frees an artist from a patron's whim. I preen my gift and steering my career, I'll match Italian masters I revere. careerist, dreading scandal or disgrace, you marry steady Isabella Brandt with rough and busk and whalebone carapace, so print and passionately elegant. No carnival or slip between tricks the cock and lip, no risks of loves come hither row, for all your genius still so buttoned up one perfect husband and his teenage frau. What flashes through a mind is best unknown. Ascent, an eyebrow raised, descent, a stare. Such self-control and no emotion shown. New stoical sang-froid and savoir-faire. A youthful hurt and trauma stains are in. Your dream, a burger's ordered discipline. But have you seen my young Hélène with fur? Ambitions push and drive have acquiesced in her, and now for her, with her, by her, with nudes and landscapes, see how I'm possessed. The eros bred in bone will out in flesh her fifth child sired just weeks before I die. In old age, my desire and spirit mesh, undressing her for every naked eye. Once diplomat and youthful Arabist, I angled for church work, a man of means, I artisan become my patron's peer, and second wife's besotted lyricist. Outsider painting Flemish country scenes, the moods of Europe shift in my career.
I move now to the second canto. And in the arts, this was to signal greater liberty. It, of course, is the time of greater individualism and then the whole romantic movement and ultimately even the urban decadence. Now, it's um, represented in this um, five quintets, this phase is represented by Goya, Goethe, Beethoven, Wordsworth and Baudelaire. Now, I'm always torn as to who I should read, but I've decided tonight to read Beethoven. He seems to me to be almost the epitome of the romantic with the hair and so forth, everything, everything about him was. You know what they say about, about the music that Bach, Bach wrote, wrote his music for God. Mozart wrote his music for the angels. And Beethoven wrote his music for Beethoven. But particularly as a young man, I, I, I loved Beethoven's music. Proud Beethoven, you come to make your mark, as rhythm by sullen rhythm your will begets a gentler dove that flies the coop of dark, and rage subsides in beautiful regrets. You struggle to endure, not just to please, to navigate all whims and psychic states, and music veers and tacks through distant keys, detours and ponders dreams, then ruminates. Beyond the measured zones of reason's grace, each squall a palimpsest of elbow grease that earns a calm above a grumbling base, an inner seascape's deep and hard-won peace. No craftsman here, creator of your art, a genius, truculent and set apart. So much, so much I thought I once would do to wife, to settle down cantabile. But somehow deeper down in me I knew my muse would storm again and I'd obey. I meant to travel but never reach the sea. Instead, like Shakespeare, every human mood must find a voice and hear its melody in one man's soul, all lines of latitude. As nature ekes its dawns from satin nights, my notes traverse a still unplotted chart. Beyond polyphony are court delights, I sound the depths of unbeholden art. I mean to shake what logic has confined, let passion stir up reason's sleepy mind. Through all my churning youth, I was a fan. I never could repay the debt I owe. Yet swarthy, head-bent, testy, ludwig van, why is it that you never quite let go? Your brothers' wives you always sought to blame, those servants you so suddenly dismiss, a nephew your own smother love will maim, your shadowed self a semitone from bliss. Such hurricanes of phrases scratched and quilled that grope the dark before the light can break, each anchorage achieved by odyssey, the swaying song of some desire fulfilled that riptides of your temper sweep away, deep currents still unease serenity. Long gone my pride, that youthful mutineer. And now my death-sealed years will rub and fret farewell discourses I insist you hear. My close-knit cries, my cross-knit criss-cross chamber tete-a-tete, all hotter shed, and yet hot blood begets hot thoughts which scud inside my silent head. A voyage logged in five unheard quartets, 
where all that's said leaves just as much unsaid. In closing lean and inward traffickings, no bravado now or flourishes decoy the rumbling conversation of the strings as resignation climbs at last to joy. A note comes home, a final tonic kiss. Applaud, my friends, remember me for this. In, in this um, second canto in economics, there's a reaction to the discovered view of Adam Smith that things worked almost mechanically in economics. So you get a phase of idealism in, econo in, in economics. And I'm thinking of people such as Henri de Saint-Saëns, Robert Owen, Charles, Charles Fourier, I beg your pardon, Charles Fourier, uh, John Stuart Mill, and Henry George. Now I debated with myself who I should use tonight because John Stuart Mill is probably the most familiar to you, uh, or maybe even Robert Owen, but I thought I would read the American Henry George, who may not be as well known to you, but I think he may have a message for the present condition of America. Uh, he, was, he was from 1839 to 1897, uh, and uh, maybe a little simplistic now in terms of his economics, but I still think he may have something to say to contemporary America. So I'm going to read a short extract which is in his voice. Vocation, vision, name it as you like. It haunts me how, when cities grow, they hike lands worth with workers working all the more. This cleft can widen steadily by stealth, advancing poverty, advancing wealth. But J.S. Mill, do you remember me? We corresponded once and we agree on much. How landowners rely on gains they never earn while others earn by sweat. I've been a down and out and don't forget. Indeed, I well recall what we discussed and unproductive earnings are unjust. Of course, our unlike backgrounds are the key. Your leanings mean you tend to laborers where I would tend to think of liberty. Yet in so many ways, we're both at one as nature both belongs to all and none. We both can trust frontiers in trade that's free and guess that communism would narrow down and easily then turn to tyranny. From you I learnt the need for tax on land. But still I wonder if you understand or you, Ricardo, fully comprehend though manufacturers may feel the pinch, the weight is borne by workers in the end. But even more as you, Maltus, to knew, the giddy economic stop and go of growth and slowing down now due to rent, land speculation gone too far will lead to value crashes we could well prevent. A single tax absorbing all land rents would mean we'd purify our governments so wages rise and capital by rights must too, abolishing all poverty, then hoist our culture to yet greater heights and stop the cycles of our boom and gloom. One tax will guarantee a world that's just. What change may come no mortal man can tell. We tremble on the edge how will it end? Is it an upward leap or lunge to hell? Economy and social science teach the same as what the one was sent to preach to poor and faithful Jewish fishermen and laws of progress lay it down for us. If morals fail, a culture falls again. So we move to the third canto, um, which very, very likely echoes Dante's hell. Uh, um, but certainly it is the nadir, I think, of 
the, the nadir of modernity. Now, I stress immediately this is not an artistic judgment, but rather a description of a phase within modernity, within the arts. But it is a definite phase, and there was a turn, there was a turn in the arts towards extreme individualism and towards interiority. I, there, this phase is represented in, in the five quintets by Wagner, Yeats, Picasso, Joyce and Kafka. So I think this evening I'm going to read from Picasso, um, just to give us another artist. He is an extraordinary figure, Kafka. Uh, sorry, um, the the is an extraordinary figure because um, he almost became a, a sort of um, caricature of himself. There at the counter, au lapin agile, a clown among Martyrs lone and racked. Among the demi-monde and down at heel, you ask how art keeps pace with artefact. Picasso, anarchist and wonder boy, who shun perspective, nature's light and shade, to stress the form within what you destroy, collaging brick a brack, our hands have made. You dared les, demos les demoiselles d'Avignon, and it becomes those spheres and cubes for you and Brack, where all things are a process undergone in shifting inner shapes with you unpack. Possessed, a rebel genius set apart, you'll turn romantic king of modern art. Whatever I willed, I had the power to pull. Out of imagination's magic hat, a saddled handlebar becomes a bull. I am the harlequin and acrobat. Like sex desired or song, I am all now. Each period a pedant's shibboleth. No past, no path, or ex no explaining how. Do enders still cry out at age and death? And winning each young woman I pursued in blue or rose or classic parody, I'm on the hop, I'm watchful and aware that even though we cubists caught a mood, the moment I submit to what I see, I trust my own eternal youth and flair. The Spanish anarchists have left their spoor. Your youth in you refuses now to grow, allow your mind to broaden and mature, and you, Picasso, just become more so. Bohemian and Midas out of touch, a famous for being famous millionaire, gone underground and self-engrossed, you clutch at whims and hunches fetched from anywhere. Your painting lovers trapped in lust's machine for decades filled with cravings mixed with fears are lone obsessions with your sinking light. A dwarf still doting on a beauty queen, an old man anguished by your appetite, a wizard none the wiser for your years. I searched in my outsider Paris years, when fellow feeling for my demoiselle and passion's conversations with my peers had made me think, although my heart, my, although my heart rebelled. Give me a lamb, for all our cubes achieved, I do not want to search, I want to find. To hell with thought and all things preconceived, I will not work the warren of the mind. Do endless sparking me now damn my soul. I crave the favours that my fame now grants and paint the jokes that please and play my role. Have I become a king of psychophants? Enclosed in both my fortune and acclaim, I can't outgrow the icon I became. In the corresponding 
canto, the car, this uh, third canto in politics, we have, of course, the terrible excesses of um, modernity. There's the ex this extraordinary excessive control and this dangerous engagement with, uh, with ideologies. Among those who speak for this um, phase in politics are Bakunin, Stalin, Hitler, Bin Laden, and so forth. I'm intrigued still, though, by the connection between the life and, the, um, and history and how, how it plays itself out. I've chosen to read this evening from Stalin, just an extract from it, and it's from the end of the piece on it. It's the most extraordinary, the loneliness of the tyrant. The, final, the, the end of, of Stalin was, was pathetically lonely, um, but obviously uh, 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 after a terrible, terrible uh, life. The first um, number of lines are in his voice, and then it moves over to commentary. Apparatchiks I reward, but high office holders I will higher than fire. Toying with their jealousies I sow rivalries, and so am arbiter for them. I imprisoned loved ones on a whim, keeping all around me on their toes, building up my pets to throw them down. Flux and vagueness feed the fear I need. No one grasps the levers of my power. Russia's fabric torn beyond what mends, even when he makes his half-retreats, downward spirals, inward and around, sink and sink and double on themselves. Lonely emperor befriending kooks, even joking with his bodyguards, seeks out boyhood pals to sing church hymns. Both wives dead, the second shot herself, one son's dead, the other drinks to life, and Svetlana, his one daughter's life, a mess. Seminari seminarian become so doctrinaire. Stalin's father bullies all his life, <coughs> reaching out beyond that the Tsar's empire, fearing to disturb the sleeping giant. Guards find him dying, stricken and alone. Buffer states outdated by mistakes. Boundaries don't respect the broadcast wave. Western clothes and music still seep in. Mindless of the blood and bone it cost. Stalin's shut-up system somehow leaks. Though his Russia's now a superpower. Left alone, unable to adapt. Apathy and dissidence abound. Hell's closing off of otherness. Moving to the fourth canto, which likely again echoes Dante's purgatory. We have here those whom I've suggested earlier have a desire for a cor to correct somehow a modernity, which they seem to see as being a... Um, something going off the rails, something that has lost its way. And they come with a corrective vision for modernity, but one which doesn't, isn't quite enough and is, is limited. I'm thinking here of people in the arts such as Dostoevsky, who of course had this extraordinary compassion. He saw compassion as the centre of it all. Then comes Mahler. Uh, of Mahler's music, of course, it's been said that every silver lining had a cloud. <laughs> Wilke then comes with that extraordinary fusion of myth and Christianity. D. H. Lawrence, who of course believed in sensuality as the saving grace for modernity. And finally T. S. Eliot, who, aspired, who, who um, went for, a, for Christianity as the answer to modernity. Now I think I owe it to Eliot to read him because I, after all I have echoed his title, The Five Quintets, The Four Quartets. But what's interesting for me is I love The Four Quintets, I think it's an extraordinary poem. But I also have all, always felt that 
he understood the self. Um, he, he understood the the the, the self um, sacrifice, if you like, of Christianity. He understood the cross, but I always felt he missed out on the resurrection. That there's it, it ends with the knot and the ice and so forth, but there's no real. It doesn't seem to me to reach the joy of the resurrection. So um, I'm going to read just my conversation with um, with with. Uh, T.S. Your tone impersonal and passionless, as ruling your own roost in Russell Square, you turn our pained superior, T.S., to wonder, do I dare and do I dare? Your grandfather ingrained in you, an Eliot commands a Hamlet you're not meant to be, with chilly politesse and touch-me-not, more English than the English care to be. And yet, however steely and astute, aware how wastelands of the self can slide, your temperament demands an absolute to order seas of doubt which rage inside the toothed gullet of an aged shark. And will you dare to leap out from the dark? You know the fear I barely hold at bay. The littered waste that lines the ocean floor, my dreaded void, our cultural decay, how I by will belong to right and lore. Tradition I must bow to and then bend, as even in my leap I ease my arc. So each beginning gestures towards its end, as I both dare the light and hint at dark. How strange that I, who struggle to avoid what's personal, despite myself, must feed on inner history. Tradition's king, without forbear, or heir, I birth avoid, and move in measure still unpedigreed. My everything becomes its counter thing. Your lone, who then devised the torment love? Oh, Thomas Stearns, a thrift-taught upright boy, you're dodging cutting loose. Although the dove descending breaks the air, it brings no joy. A static view, maybe some stoic lack regards the present with opprobrium. Your absolute keeps tending to look back and shudders at the shape of things to come, in mixing reminiscence and desire, the soul sap quivers, brief sun flames the ice. Unless restored by that refining fire, your dating must fall short of paradise. And yet, old Pozen, your quartet's in trance, when from the still point you still stir the dance. My driving will, my mother's driven son, my artist's cold, both Brahmin and urbane, was I all things to all and friend to none? To be a poet cost me too much pain. Although to thaw my ego I had learned to woo a god with prayer and discipline, surrounded by a sense of grace discerned, Yet even hard-won faith was honed within. But wait, once for delete, instead write stet, and let my lover's voice just soar to life. A fifth quartet, or should I say quintet? One carefree dedication to my wife, to whom God knows I owe my leaps delight. In the corresponding canto in the science quintet, um, I'm going to read you an extract from uh, an extract uh, concerning Einstein. And of course, Einstein is almost just as you think of Beethoven as the uh, emblematic romantic in a sense. Einstein is the iconic scientist with the hair, and so we we, we think of it. But 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 it's. Um, 
and I, I don't know why too. He always seems to attract humor. You know, the the uh, the, the famous the, there was a lady called Bright who could travel faster than light. She went off one day in a relative way and came back the previous night. He, of course, gave us this relativity, which that, this, that, that Limerick alludes to. Uh, um, but he couldn't accept. He couldn't accept the Copenhagen School. He couldn't accept Bohr. He couldn't accept probability. He wanted things more definite. Uh, and uh, he ended in Princeton, in, in, uh, in New Jersey. Uh, and uh, interestingly, he, the same time, much younger man than him, Gödel, the great mathematician, was there. And they used to go for walks every day. And they, uh, so this is just a scene uh, uh, from, the, um, from the piece on, I, on, on Einstein. And it describes these walking tours with, uh, with Gödel. Do they fill out each other's might have been? Einstein, the physicist that Gödel dreamt of, and Gödel, the matsman, Einstein left behind. They share a German-speaking world they fled, and each has done his ripest work while young. But more than this, for both the meaning counts. For Gödel, there's nothing due to accident. For Einstein, God is always imminent. And seeking minds have left these men misfits. For both the relative and incomplete, no softening to a vague subjective view, but proof of some great truth beyond themselves. <coughs> the sacred Euclid book of Einstein's youth, the far out yonder found in certain laws. But discontented with what merely works, these Platonists are walking side by side to purgatorial disciples who can hear the chant beyond the wall of fire, yet somehow never manage to pass through to where a stubborn independent streak which in their bloom could serve them both so well, might come to terms with something less precise. We learning childlike plays of paradise, where gambling God can throw a lover's dice. So the, the, the fifth and last quintet, in the arts I wanted heaven to be a place of abundance with all my friends, so it's not five, it's fifteen. And so we have Dante, Shakespeare, George Herbert, Basho, Bach, Mozart, Coleridge, uh, the, Robert Browning and, Liz, and Elizabeth Barrett, George Eliot, Cezanne, Willa Cather, Chagall, Patrick Kavanagh, uh, um, Messian, and Brian Friel. Uh, all my friends. Uh, um, so, but, but I think here, again, out of a sort of sense of duty, I should start with Dante, because, after all, he is the great model for what I've been trying to do in the five quintets. So uh, here's, here's uh, my dialogue with, with Dante. My Dante, tend del mezzo del camin, forgotten bulbs your times again on earth, your gift to see a flowering unforeseen, to rake the soil for Europe's lush rebirth. A rich pre-modern mind allows you mix rife thoughts retrieved with things so up-to-date in science, art, or person, politics, the cosmos in your seabed state. Your lily-signed Firenze's exile sun, why is that place assailed by so much strife? Who'll name and face dead figures one by one, descending and ascending after life, by conscious metaphor and fact combined, you parallel the purpose of God's mind. Ah yes, the middle of the way, and yet 
Recall the years I yearned, a troubadour for Beatrice since May Day when we met, one fateful moment in 1284. I break new ground and graft a comedy. I'm politician, poet, citizen. Though love can shape a tongue in Tuscany, I end an exile, never home again. With Virgil I will climb hell's deepest ice to reach the doorway of the dead and weep till Beatrice's unknotting nerves in me redeems my guilt. And braving paradise, I dare allow my sacred poem to leap from where we are to where we're meant to be. Your polymath and eager pioneer, who doubling back becomes a daring scout, defining our modernity's frontier by summing up what somehow opens out. A fluke of birth, a lucky flowerwit, as banished and uncoddled by soft fame, you blame defector sham and counterfeit, unhampered your cold hell will name and shame. But more, as certain as the second thief this day in paradise you too are shown, the smile whose warmth unzips the lily's leaf, the light eternal in itself alone. You're stretching still my mind and my desire to walk our daring God of loves I wire. But seven centuries beyond my theme, you've chosen to pursue the self-same path and summing up an era work the seam between the modern and its aftermath. You've climbed from hell to heaven's vertigo. I'll be your guide. Though dazzled in that gaze, allow flawed worlds their spill and overflow, for God delights in lily-gilding praise. Imagine all we've done are left undone, our broken longings, longing still for more, completed in the glory of one glance. And as both stars and atoms dance and dance, our lives unreal around one loving core, where all our wills and all desires are one. I'll read one more from Helen and then conclude, conclude with the, the, the final um, page or two of the, of the book. I, um, when in the States, uh, the other figure I often read from, uh, from is um, Willa Cather, who is one of my great fav favourite, uh, um, one of my three great favourite women, and my three favourites are women, uh, novelists, George Eliot, Sigri Onset, the Norwegian who wrote that wonderful Christian Labyrinth's daughter, some of you may know, in uh, and, um, uh, uh, and Willa Cather. And the wonderful thing is that Willa Cather and George uh, and um, Sigriantra met in New York, so that that and I actually read this night last week in Rhode Island, and somebody came up afterwards and after I'd read the poem on Willa Cather, presented me with a first edition in a bound leather copy of a novel of Willa Cather signed by Willa Cather, which was lovely. But being in Highgate, as far as I know, George Eliot is buried in Highgate Cemetery. So I thought I should, I should read, uh, re read my beloved George Eliot. Some friends name you Clematis, Mary Ann. Your sap climbs towards a sun you're dreaming of. Someone to be your all in all, a man to lean on, bloom you to the full with love. Pietistic time you soon abhor, and fallings for already tied up men. The long sad years of youth worth living for, the sake of middle age, to gaze again on life unfolding plots of gain and loss, among the pots and pans of daily facts, to grind by slow degrees and mill the floss of choices made in mundane sleepwalked acts. You live with Lewis, God sends Lancelot, 
and ostracized become George Eliot. My heroine's on bed a bitter sweet that's rooted deep in memory's rendezvous where Dorothea and young Maggie meet to share my feelings and my failings too. My novels devil a life my novels delve a lifetime's residue. Poor Dr. Lingate's hopes sold out to house blonde Rosamond whose charms he comes to woo. A fable seeded in my sister's spouse. We all can house house such ego-climbing elves, and tales can turn on one such tragic flaw, till Dorothea's waking window gives onto a world of other-centred selves. I learn to see, as Feuerbach once saw, a trembling love in everything that lives. The moods and scope of your wide-ranging mind still loves our clay and makeshift daily mess. In every fate your plots unfold, I find I hear that voice friends heard as your caress. All history spreads out under heaven's arch in lives both intertwined and singular. A cosmos woven into middle march we're in the thick of things just as they are. The wise-to-be, the silly well-to-do, are artisans with narrow jealousy, such sags and weakness all ringing true. Your heaven rooms are frail humanity, a mind and heart in love can coalesce to tell God's honest truth with tenderness. A traveller's joy will trust what's new and strange, and dare to go beyond the diagram. Of course, from book to book, the readers change. My voice evolves within each self I am. Yet criticised, I'm seized by nerves or doubt. Unloved, I know how little I have done, or dare to trust and travel on without my Eden's journey under George's sun. I know my marriage to John Cross has miffed all those who thought that I'd rebelled before, how covertly to know becomes to own. Close friends are never shocked, although we drift or change, and so by chance may fall once more in love. I never could have stood alone. I'm going to conclude with the end of the book, which is from the... Um, heaven of the philosophy stroke theology. In that heaven I have I spent five days and I'm guided by five wonderful women. My late wife Breed, uh, um, by Aisha, the Muhammad's wife uh, or mistress or whatever she was uh, uh, and um, I also ha have um, uh, the Shulamite to whom the Song of Songs is addressed, she guides me, uh, uh, as does uh, Beatrice from Dante and Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary. And I'm in the company of these wonderful saints, who are my heroes, all playing jazz together. John the 23rd, Hannah Arendt, Bonhoeffer, Nursery, and Jean Vanier. So I, I, and it, it moves then towards, at the end, Towards the, towards the beatic vision uh, as Alla Dante. So I'm just going to, to read that these uh, final uh, two or three pages for you and then we'll stop. I thank my saints, but now a dazzling light begins to draw me to itself and woo me in the way a lover can invite you closer still without compelling you. At once your oldest and your latest flame, renewing thrills of your first rendezvous, a date with your one love and lifelong aim, a sweet compulsion burning from within that makes you want to drop your lover's name. To miss this mark is still the only sin, but following a gleam I'm now drawn home, a love returning to its origin, 
Is this the pull of wholeness, a shalom that both attracts and gives a prepaid peace? I'm walking an arcade of trees, a dome of branches thickly leaved and of a peace as though I'm moving in parentheses where there is both excitement and release from any inattention or unease which could distract me from the arch's eye where flooding light and rumours of a breeze round off a blazing horizontal sky which beckons me onwards and I respond. And yet for all this tunnel vision I am certain still that this is not some fun farewell that I have never been so close to all I love. Moving now beyond the time and place of two-dimensioned prose, I hunger for the eye that beckons me along a funneled path between two rows of slightly tilted bowls where every tree is interwoven with its counterpart, convexing such a leafy canopy where opposites can meet and then depart in curves of paradox which shape the light. I can't yet understand, but know by heart that nothing but desire can underwrite my passage through this vaulted light-led zone, that in this arch's eye all things unite. I'm solo here, but still not on my own, becoming more myself in resonance with those I love, I'm never all alone. Already in this arch, as I advance, my loneliness wound is healing in the eye, whose rays now lead me to a skylit dance, a dizzy whirl, a giddy dervish high that pulses onwards to an ecstasy, once savoured for its wistful passing by. But dance no longer needs a brevity to add an edge to what might quickly pall. It peaks beyond my wildest fantasy that as it climaxes and seems to fall, the moment when a pleasure might abscond, it hasn't neared its apogee at all, but peaks again and so beyond, beyond, surprising me with infinite excess that nothing I have known can correspond to such abandon, such abundant joy or could express a sweetness like the moment lovers bond in dewy aftermath without tristesse. So glistening and delighted in their fond embrace, just thrilling at each tipping kiss as willows glance the surface of a pond. My vase remembers every touch of bliss, each knot in our pleasure's daisy chain, Although no memory compares with this, each nervelet and synapse inside my brain finds images among its brick and brack to help an ageing vessel to contain such joy. Just as some jumper stepping back before a leap recalls a no success, I bring to mind from my own beaten track delights I've known the follies of jeunesse, the throb of what's achieved, are things explored, each rush when head and heart could coalesce. The high those times the body too had soared, the years of training paid off dividends, the ball I intercepted and so scored. But most of all, together with my friends, around a table when we drank and ate those evenings, when time's rigid arrow bends. But now such pleasures all accumulate in tributaries that can amplify a whole creation flowing here in spate. Be with me so, my saints and stars, as I approach this glory hole of light which shone all day and now fires up the evening sky like Moses' burning bush that draws me on along this rouging corridor to where the last loose branches in their pink chiffon of leaves half roof the gap to form a pair and every bowl and limb begins to dance the universe's light fantastic prayer now lords a wooer taking still a chance on just this cosmic ballet's elegance where nothing is decided in advance. Where hadrons jingle in their resonance, while galaxies bebop and flowers blaze in cedars and while animals I glance, 
a daily choreography of praise. O suitor, never holding us in thrall, but trusting to the ragtime of our ways, as in our brokenness we only fall to rise where all who've come have come by choice. Let's dance across creation's dancing hall. In shadows of your wing I will rejoice. Sound now the bird of jazz's trumpet call. O oh, miho, miho, cries a lover's voice. Yes, here I am, my madam all in all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode. Thank you.